0: So, Father, I don't know what's going to happen with that announcement, I don't know what um, people are going to do, but you do, Lord, you know who we are and what, and what we consider important, and, and and you know, Lord, whether we need to rest on Sunday and um, and Saturday, and uh, whatever it is, Father, I thank you that you will be with each one of us, wherever we are and whatever we're doing, and I thank you for the encouragement that you'll give us today as we go through the uh, next session in the study of Luke, and, and as you encourage us as through your word, Lord, by your Spirit, but also as we uh, talk together and fellowship together and as we care for one another. Um, thank you, Father, that, um, that you do that. Um, thank you that you have joined us together in this family called Desiring Truth. And we praise you for it, Lord, and um, thank you for all that you're going to say to us now, this morning. And we pray this and ask for your blessing, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. So Luke has uh, brought us into the section uh, of Jesus' ministry, at least as he records it, into um, into uh, the section where he's talking about specifics of discipleship. I mean, you can't get more specific than the statement, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. So that's a very specific statement, and that's... Um, in the middle of some characteristics of a disciple, you know, how does a disciple look? How do they live? What do they? How could you pick them out in a crowd? Hello, Sue. Um, no, no worries. And um, uh, and that's what we're looking at. We started last week to look at the characteristics. We had seven that I that I'd picked out and asked about. I know that there are others, but there were seven that we decided we would look at. And um, so we're going to recap some of last week as we go in and finish off chapter 10 uh, of Luke. So we're going to start in Luke chapter 9 and um, perhaps amplify a little bit of what we talked about last week. Would someone read Luke 9, 23 to 26, please?
1: And he was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, He must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. For what is a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory, and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels.
0: Thank you. Um, Thank you. (coughs) Quite difficult to to miss what Jesus is saying. There's not really any room for more than one interpretation. And that is, this is what it means to follow me. You have to deny yourself, deny your own lusts, your own desires, your own... um, feelings, your own, everything, and pick up your cross daily. Surrender to the will of God. That's what we talked about last week, that picking up your cross is a surrender to the will of God. It's giving your will up for the sake of God's will. That's what Jesus did. That's exactly what he did. In the Garden of Gethsemane, it's laid out in clear, that startling relief for us. Jesus prayed, if it is possible, take this cup from me, because his own human will was that he would not die on a cross. But nevertheless, not my will but yours be done that's the surrender that he's talking about in picking up your cross daily surrendering your will to the will of the Father because just because you are a Christian doesn't automatically mean that every thought in your head, every feeling, every desire is now from God Uh, because there's lots of Christians like that, they think that whatever comes out of their mouth is a word from the Lord they think that if they've got a plan that must be God's plan uh, and, and, and basically you know We we kind of drift on in that way a lot of the time in our Christian walk thinking that we're living a relatively good life so this must be God's will for us but of course it isn't and so um, Jesus making it clear um, and follow him so pick up your cross daily and follow him. Now, if it went, yeah,
2: go right, ahead. No, just, um, it, I, this is not an original thought. It's oh, something I've heard. I never it, have but. either. so... <laughs> so uh, first 24, It says about saving your life. Mm. This chapter saying, you know, how we protect our lives. We look after it. We focus on it. Yeah. We're fixated mm. by ourselves. Yeah. Um, you know, we try and save our life. Yeah, and, yeah. Exactly. Get so self-centred. Absolutely. It's, and, yeah, yeah, it's all about I,
0: me. It's, it's all about me. me. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Um, and, and actually more because we're now trying to live for a longer time we're trying to extend our lives if you freeze me I'll wake up in you know a thousand years and be still me and, uh, We're genetically trying to change the human race so that it's perfect so that it lives longer we're always you know vegan and vegetarian and you know cut out this don't eat that do this don't do this in, in an attempt to live longer it's all about me mm-hmm. And uh, the tra- tragedy yeah, is when Christians are like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, so um, I've got nothing against vegans or vegetarians, sorry, I've included them, but it, is, it, it, it has become um, almost a cult. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you nice. can see it when you look yes. at it. There yes. are so yes. many things like that that have become a Christian. Well, yeah, really that's really Yeah. Um, so, having decided then, this is what Jesus is saying, if you're ashamed of me and my words, then I'll be ashamed of you, and so what he's wanting is that the people following him will understand this is not an easy walk, this isn't something you can just, you know, float in and float out of, and when, when, he, when he presents that to them, he's expecting every single person who hears that to say, I can't do that, mm-hmm. I can't do that. Mm-hmm. How am I ever going to do that every day of my life? How am I going to pick up my cross daily? I might be able to do it today, but it's for sure I won't be able to do it on Friday. Do you know what I mean? That's the expected response. You know, we sometimes think that as Christians, we're supposed to be like gung-ho. We can just go in there. We can do this and do that and take authority and pin this down and do this. But you actually can't do any of that. Mm. And actually, all these statements should fill you with dread. Yeah. How am I ever going to live like this? And that's what this gospel's about. It's about Jesus showing you how you will live like this, how you will live doing that. So if you are thinking, I can't do that, then hallelujah, praise the Lord, because that is the correct response to something like this. And he's going to go on. I mean, it, the next few verses is the transfiguration account, and we're going to move not, not read through that cause Um, this kind of a slight digression on this subject. But we're going to go straight into verse 37 because Jesus is going to start showing them how to live that way, how to live as a disciple, and the characteristics of a disciple.
3: So somebody reads 37 to 43, please. On the next day, when they came down from the mountain, a large crowd met him. And the man from the crowd shouted, saying, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, he is my only boy. And a spirit seizes him, and he suddenly screams, and it throws him into a convulsion, with foaming at the mouth, and only with difficulty does it leave him, mauling him as as it leaves. I begged your disciples to cast it out, and they could not. And Jesus answered and said, You unbelieving and perverted generation, how long shall I be with you and put up with you, bring your son here? While he was still approaching, the demon slammed him to the ground and threw him into a convulsion. But Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the boy and gave him back to his father. And they were all amazed at the greatness of God. But while everyone was marvelling at all that he was doing, he said to his disciples, Let these words sink into your ears. For the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. But they did not understand this statement. And it was concealed from them, so they would not perceive it. And they were afraid to ask him about the statement thank you okay so um, the day after jesus has been transfigured
0: on the mountaintop which peter james and john saw they were with him um they come down the, the mountain and they see this the rest of the disciples um and, and a huge crowd uh, around because uh, a man has a demonic son or demon possessed son and he wants him delivered and the disciples haven't been able to um and it's 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 a shock, really, because these are the ones who were sent out at the beginning of chapter 9, or just a little while ago, to cast out demons, to heal the sick, to proclaim. So Luke's expecting us to think, well, how on earth, could? why, did, why couldn't they do that? You know, why couldn't they do it? Um, and, and actually, I find that that is not very common in Christian circles. Because we're told, really, that um, we just go out and, as I said a little bit ago, you know, take authority in the name of Jesus.
4: Mm.
0: Well, actually, I'm not really sure that that's exactly how things work. And it's certainly not the way that Jesus talks about here in mm. his Gospel. Because these disciples, having been authorised, having been given power to go out and do those things, have come back to find themselves unable to cast out this demon. Mm. Now, you, you, you and I, we live in a society where people will say that we can cast out any old demon, especially if we go in twos and threes, we can go and say, rebuke, we rebuke you in the name of the Lord Jesus, be gone, be gone, and expect that demon to have to flee. But that's not borne out in this chapter.
4: No, isn't one of the I'm mm-hmm. going to prayer.
0: Yeah, it is, and that's what I'm saying, that's what we're going to get to, Alan. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, why is it that they can't cast out the demon when they've just come... They, they it's not long ago, eight days later, you know, it's not long ago that they went to hell and had that tremendous success. So, why is it they can't cast out the demon? And, um, and what has happened in that scene when they can't do it? So, we talked about that last week. Can you remember what we said? You know, what, what's the situation that's going on? You know, imagine, the man's brought the, his son to these disciples. They can't heal him. They can't cast out the demon.
5: So what do you is, think is this? These... Is God? Is Jesus trying to show them that they need something
4: of
0: Him? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think that's going on. Imagine the reaction in the crowd. What's the reaction in the crowd? And they're gathering. This crowd is gathering. They know these (coughs) disciples. Mm. They know what's been going on. They know that they've been going out and Mm. and healing the sick and casting out demons. So what's the Mm. reaction in the crowd? Mm. What would be your reaction? Mm. Mocking. Mocking. Yeah. What else? Disappointment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, What else? Well, is really what I heard, is it all really true?
4: Mm. Mm. I mean, did they
0: really do that? Yeah. And and if they did do that why can't they do it here? And then it must be something to do with the boy's father or it must be something to do with the boy or maybe these are not the important disciples maybe the ones who are not here yet they're the important ones. And Jesus walks back into that scene with the three where he's been up on them. and and he and that's what he's saying you unbelieving and perverse generation because as far as Jesus is concerned this is something they should have been able to understand. Yeah. And um Hello, Jim. Intrepid pioneer through the rain and wind. Um, So he says, bring your son here. And and so the the boy comes over and Jesus, of course, rebukes the demon. So what is he trying to tell us? What's Luke trying to tell us? And in Luke's Gospel he doesn't make it clear. So you have to go to Matthew and to Mark and read the same account in those chapters. To understand what it's about so matthew chapter 17 19 to 21 if someone could go there and someone else go to mark 9 28 and 29 matthew 20 matthew 17 19 to 21 somebody read that if you're there. then the disciples came to jesus privately and said why couldn't we drive it out and he said to them, because of the littering of your faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. But this
2: kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting.
0: Mm. See, I find this extremely confusing. Mm. Mm. Extremely confusing. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's because your faith is too small, so... So because your faith is too small, but actually, you didn't know this, but it only goes out by prayer and fasting, yeah, this yeah. kind of thing. Mm. So I'm not quite sure that we can take only that statement. Mm. So somebody else go to Mark, please. Mark uh, 9. It's gonna, Mark's going to say basically the same thing. Mark 9, 28 and 29. Not nine, twenty-eight and twenty-nine. Someone read that. When he came into the house his disciples began questioning him privately. Why could we not drive it out? And he said to them, This kind cannot come back come out by anything but prayer. Okay. So what are we going to make of it then? Um, what do you make of all that? Well,
3: that's a tricky one, the first one, because mm-hmm. we have so many people hurt in the in the church mm-hmm. who have been told your faith is yeah, not enough,
4: exactly. and yet
3: that seems to say it in Luke, doesn't yeah. it?
4: In Matthew, Matthew it says, yeah. 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 I
2: remember listening to Carter Conlon, and he was talking about how he, he had this thought that he had to to do a sermon on something,
4: mm-hmm. and he
2: fasted for three days. Mm-hmm. And he said it became clear. Oh,
4: no. But I haven't done that myself. <laughs> 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 sure. <laughs> so, what do you think of the other? So, just, just thinking. I don't know if it's random.
2: But the disciples actually did seem quite a sleepy lot. Yes. You know, when Jesus yeah. was in Gethsemane, they were snoozing. in. Yes. And I mean, yes. you know, when they were in you know, the Transfiguration, yes. they were out of sleep. Yes. So, yes. I don't
0: know. Yes. Yeah, I, don't yes. Know the I think the thing is that the... the, the sometimes we imagine that faith is a static thing, it's a noun, We, we think of it as a noun, a thing that we can pick up and that we have. So we put it in our backpack or in our case and we carry it around with us and that's my faith. So when Jesus says because of the littleness of your faith, we think of it as okay, I've only got a tiny bit of faith you know, Vanessa's got a huge amount of faith. She's got a huge suitcase or a trunk that she's carrying around. But a market, you know, you know.
3: Um
0: but I, faith, remember, is a verb, it's a doing word as well as a noun. So the littleness of your believing, the littleness of your active believing, this is not happening. So what is involved in active believing, not just the noun, but the activity of faith. What's involved in the activity of faith, and the living second it. sentence in what he says gives you the, the answer. You right? live it. You live your living faith in so whatever
3: you do. So what, you show
0: it. What's he just said to them? What does he say? The second thing. This 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 uh, because of the littleness of your active believing, but truly I say to you. If you have a faith that is actively believing, even if it's only a tiny amount, but it is actually going on, you yes. will say to this mountain, move, and I think he's pointing to Jerusalem, move, and it will be moved. And then he says, but this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. What is involved in active believing? All right. Prayer and fasting, particularly in the casting out of demons. You know, we... We have this arrogance about us. Some Christians have this huge arrogance that they're going to be able to walk into any situation and be Jesus. Well, you are not Jesus. You are nothing like him, actually. You are a long way from how he is, which is why we need each other and which is why we should only go into these situations together. You know, not necessarily the whole crowd of us, but, you know, two or three at least. You should never, ever, ever Go into a situation that is in any way vaguely demonic and think that you can stand against Satan. You yes. cannot. Mm-hmm. You are not strong enough. Mm-hmm. He is clever and strong and mighty and he will likely defeat you. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily. There are miracles that go on all the time. But, but mm-hmm. you are much, you are mm-hmm. to really to go in, in twos. Jesus sent them out in twos. Mm-hmm. If you ever want another reason to do it, he sent them out in twos. They went around as a group and and weird to remember that, but there here is this active faith, this active mm-hmm. believing includes fasting and it includes mm-hmm. prayer. Mm-hmm. you know if we think about faith as a noun all the time, sometimes it is in scripture, but if we think about it as a noun all the time, we think we've got it. Mm-hmm. It's a bit like salvation being the ticket in the back pocket I've got my ticket, I've got my trust in Jesus, I prayed the prayer. I've got the ticket. I'm going to heaven, so I'm okay. But all of us in this room know that that's not true. There's a there's an activity of faith, and here he's saying that the activity of faith includes fasting and prayer. And I know that I'm going over it and going over it, but I really think it's important, especially in these days where the demonic activity is increasing and increasing and increasing. You and we do have the Lord of the universe living within us by His Spirit. We have His powerful Spirit living within us. We are able together to be like Christ in this world. And we can witness to Him. But in and of yourself, He is not calling you to go and face the demons on your own. He is calling us together to represent the body of Christ and to fight uh,
5: we need to know what he's calling us. to Exactly. Do that, and,
0: and how will you find that out?
5: By listening and praying. Oh, By praying and listening
0: and maybe yeah. fasting. Just, yeah. Can, Can I just go slightly oh, yeah. off east a
2: bit
0: here? This description sounds
2: exactly like a Catholic city. Yeah. Um, so I've got two questions. Um, in this particular
5: instance, is this epilepsy brought on by a demon? And are there demons today making people ill?
0: I, I think yes to the last. There are. There is massive demonic activity. And I think a lot of sickness, of any description, mental, physical... Uh, you ultimately, you could trace it all back to Satan, couldn't mm-hmm. you? Because the world is sick because of Satan. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying that every single occasion would be that. No, I don't think you can say that. I think again it's like, you know, Psalm 51 says that God desires truth in the innermost being and that in the hidden part he will make us to know wisdom. And I think it's really dangerous and too many Christians pluck sections or verses Mm-hmm. and say, which we could do now, couldn't we? We could say, well, the boy has, look, sounds like epilepsy, so every case of epilepsy is demonic. Mm-hmm. But I think that that's not the full counsel of God. The full counsel of God is that there's a whole range of things going on here. And that we're, we need God's wisdom to be able to yeah, work out what's the wisdom. What. Yeah. And his wisdom comes through the Word, yeah. by the Spirit, through prayer, through fasting. You said that, Julia, that Carter Conner had said about three, he spent three days. It comes by all of it. Only then would we even be able to begin to say, is that epilepsy demonic? Is that something that needs the casting out of a demon? Or is that something that actually is a medical condition that mm-hmm. needs, mm-hmm. Um, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I just think we're so naive so often. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Maybe that's not,
3: uh,
0: the, it's not the main point anyway. The main point is to realise that we need to come in prayer. Exactly. Bow the knee, exactly. Uh, yeah. exactly. And God will guide you. Mm-hmm. He will. He'll give you a, a, mm-hmm. the information. He promises wisdom, doesn't he? James chapter 1, if any of you lack wisdom, let him yes. ask of God. Yes. So God gives to everyone without partiality. Mm-hmm. So this is not something he won't do. This is something he will do for us. But he's already prescribed the way. And the way is to immerse yourself in the word of God so that you know the whole counsel of God from Genesis to Revelation, so that you can have some idea of God's plan and purpose and how he works and how he's always worked. He's an unchanging God. So what he did in Genesis, he'll be doing in Revelation. And and to be able to say, okay, I'm so far from it, but I think maybe I can see the value of prayer, the value of fasting, (laughs) the value of study, you know, Um, anyway, so if if I said then, let's just, I look back a little bit, sorry Chris, I've got written down, which probably you've said, is littleness is unbelief. And your faith? but because of the littleness of your faith. Oh, because the word actually means unbelief. Mm. It's not littleness Littleness in size. It's it's because of the unbelief in your faith. And the unbelief in their faith, in their doing of their faith, is that they're not praying and they're not fasting and they're not understanding that they don't automatically have every answer. Um, So I think last time we talked about this and, and the understanding that comes to you at the end when you look at all of that is oh my goodness, how am I ever going to be able to do anything? I need Jesus. I need God. And that understanding is the key element of a life of discipleship. It's oh my goodness, I can't do anything without Jesus. If you can stay in that place, you're about where he wants you to be. And that's what I think he's trying to show these disciples. Without me, you can do nothing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In fact, he he says that. He says Mm so. Without Mm -hmm. me, you can do nothing. Mm -hmm. But I can do all things
4: through Christ who strengthens me. Mm -hmm. So through Mm
3: -hmm. him, through a
0: life that's given over to trusting him, I will be able to have victory in my Christian life. I'll be able to work together with other believers and, and make a difference and, you know, bring people to the Lord and, um. yeah, go ahead.
2: So when, I've heard Christians say that they don't believe, that they, not, 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 that's wrong, I've heard Christians say that they don't trust Jesus enough. Is that down to just their unbelief? Yeah, or? of course. Yeah.
0: But unbelief is practice, you know, that's hmm. another thing. Active faith takes practice, Mm. and unbelief takes practice. You don't suddenly go from kind of thinking, oh, I I do trust God, and then finding, no, actually, I don't trust him to do this and do that. That happens over a period of time, and it's usually because he hasn't done what you thought he should have done. And so you've come to a place of thinking he won't Mm. do this, or he doesn't do these things, Mm. because you've had a a, a kind of time where he hasn't done those things, and you think Mm. he should have. And the thinking he mm. should have is the sin, because that's led you into
4: mm. unbelief. But mm. surely,
2: if our Lord wanted to do something for us, it would be his will. Of course. And it's not always his will. Of
0: course. So of course. people but you have seen, got well, to they're they're Exactly. Gonna. They have to surrender their own yeah. will to his will. But mm. that surrender is complicated, mm. because usually we want some, him to heal someone that we love. Mm -hmm. and when he doesn't heal us and heal them and we can't understand why it just Mm -hmm. starts to nag away and chip away and if that Mm -hmm. happens over time you end up in a place where well obviously God doesn't heal or he or he doesn't want to or he or this or that you know and becomes unbelief which is a a massive thing so um, but think about it if 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 you can't do anything without Jesus right, if you absolutely accept that that's the core statement, what is your life going to be about 99% of the time? What will you be doing? Prayer. Praying. You'll be praying all the time. Unspoken prayers, spoken prayers, heart prayers, mind prayers. Your whole life will be a life of prayer. Isn't that what Paul says in Thessalonians? Pray unceasingly. It's like, how can you pray unceasingly? Only if it is, if it is actually the condition, the attitude of your heart. I can do nothing without Christ. Therefore, my whole being is going to be understanding that I need Him all the time. Prayer, prayer, prayer. Not just not necessarily spoken, but this, this, just this. Lord, I need you. This attitude of, of need. Um, and, and when you have that everything you meet and every person you meet and everyone you speak to you will understand i can't i can't witness for you christ unless you do it through me i need you as i go to meet my friend for coffee as i go and and sing in the marketplace as i as i go up to wimbledon on saturday i can do nothing without jesus please lord show me who to speak to when to speak what to say how to say it how to be everything my experience is that um,
2: God sort of crops up in various aspects, mm. and there are certain areas of my life where um, it must be by my choosing or my, um, my neglect that God doesn't come in. There are certain things, such as the things that you've been talking about, about somebody that
5: I might perceive needs, needs to know about God, yeah. that would be kind of highlighted me, but there mm. be other things in my life yeah. where, it, uh, you know,
2: I, God isn't there yeah. as much, yeah. and I don't know whether it's just that God does use certain aspects of us that he highlights, or because I, I don't experience uh, c- constant prayer. No, no,
4: not
0: um, I. No, I don't think any of us do, which I think is why we have the instruction Bible, mm. pray unceasingly, that's an mm-hmm. instruction. Yeah. And because I think even subconsciously or unconsciously, we separate parts of our lives yeah. and yeah. when we're going out out of our own home perhaps, yeah. we're much more aware of the fact that we're going to meet people we need Jesus, yeah. so we'll perhaps be more conscious of that. But in our own home, in our own familiar surroundings, we often yeah. forget that we need Jesus more there than yeah. we do anywhere else. Yeah. And yeah. It's, I'm, not, I'm not saying you're talking about home and out, well, but well, it's that sure idea. So. yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I was praying for myself in my own home, in my own family, because mm-hmm. they're the areas that you tend to... Take for granted. Yeah. You mm-hmm. kind of forget. And they're the big areas of attack by the enemy. Oh, cool. mm-hmm. yeah. I
4: thought
0: it would be the other way round. Yes. Uh,
2: okay, that's just a bit of Yeah. The thing is, we're all different. Like, yeah, yeah, everybody's got. I realise that. I've got sure, my, the life. way God uses me, mm.
5: but I think He also does want to come into absolutely. the rest of my life absolutely. as well. Isn't it? It's not just like yes. I'm giving you a job, right? Yeah.
0: Crack on. I think He wants to be yeah, absolutely because He's encouraging me, helping me in everything. Yes, I because like. the role of Christ in your life is to make you more like Him. <laughs> It's not to take you out on the streets to evangelize. He uses that and does mm-hmm. that, and that's a gift to you. Mm-hmm. But the big work is done within you mm-hmm. to make your character like his in every place. And the hardest place to be like Jesus is often at home. Because yes. yeah. um, you're, you're more, more like yourself. Yes, but yeah. the old you is like mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know, living and active and strong. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Um, yeah. You know. but anyway, so uh, this, whole attitude of needing Jesus and understanding that you can't do anything without him, we call that last week trust. It's living a life of trust. It's trusting and doing everything or you could call it faith if you like, living faith. Uh, It's the same thing. And, um, And that's the first thing. Basically, you can't do anything on your own. You need me. So live a life as if you know it. Pray, fast, you know, talk to me. So he's going to go on now in verse 44 and 45. Let these words sink into your ears, for the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. But they didn't understand this statement, and it was concealed from them, so they would not perceive it. And they were afraid to ask him about this statement. I can hardly imagine how they must have felt. He's, the, the three of them particularly, the ones on the mountain top of the Transfiguration, they come down the mountain, he just does this extraordinary thing, casts out the demons, shows himself to be who he, who he is, he's the Messiah, he is God, and suddenly he's saying, I'm going to be delivered into the hands of God. Of course they didn't understand, how could they possibly have understood that? And again, the Gospels repeat to us the truth that it is only as God reveals things to us that we can understand them. You can read the Bible from now until eternity, and if God does not open your eyes, you won't understand it. So again, is this, you want to be a disciple? You want to understand things about God? You have to ask God, open my eyes, Lord, show me what you mean. I mean, it's happening unconsciously or subconsciously all the time with us because now, as believers, we have the Holy Spirit. He's already going to reveal things to us, so we do understand. But when we come to difficult parts, you know, difficult things that, that you know, you're wrestling with to try and understand it, it's like, Lord, I can't understand this. Please show me yeah. what the reality is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And again, he will. But, you know, you said it, just with the Word and God will... If God isn't revealing it to you, God.
2: and and I suppose that it, without fellowship, which sometimes yes. I take myself away
0: from, yeah. I think that that is the difference. I've got Definitely. the Word, mm. but I think I need more fellowship, really. Definitely. When I'm away, I know. I, I, I know I sort of wither a with bit. Yeah. You I didn't know exactly. Know. exactly. <laughs> yeah, I didn't to
2: say anything
0: when I saw you this morning. <laughs> oh, I looked a bit withered, <laughs> I? Don't look at all withered. I look fabulous. Um, yeah, I used to go away every Christmas from Japan. We we had a holiday home in in Whistler in British Columbia, and we used to fly out for Christmas. Three weeks, the kids had three weeks of school, so I would take off the first day and come back the day before school started, and um, it was good in many ways. It was a lovely family holiday. We did a lot of skiing, a lot of that, but it was dire in terms of my relationship with God, mm-hmm. because I was alone, out of fellowship, mm-hmm. in, um, and it was really hard, really hard. And so when I came back, I felt like I was starving and, and dying of thirst. And you probably were. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, fellowship is a massive thing. Mm-hmm. So anyway, he's telling them that suffering is included in the Christian life, and that no matter the greatness of the power and the the works that God will do through you, suffering is something that goes along with the Christian life. It is. Mm -hmm. Not suffering the way people generally... You know, everyone suffers in in the world because we're human. It's not that suffering. It's the suffering that happens in you because you are surrendering to the will of God in your life. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, that's going to hurt. But you see what he says... um, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. So this is a deliberate act. Mm. It's a deliberate act. It's not that he's here now, we know he gave his life, but he's talking about somebody else betraying him into the uh, situation he's going into. You and I have to accept that there are people who won't like us living for Christ mm. and who will do everything they can to thwart it. And that, that will cause suffering. Um, verse 51, 56, somebody read those verses. Oh, sorry, 46 to 50, I'm going too fast. 46 to 50. An argument started among them as to which of
2: them might be the greatest. But Jesus, knowing what they were thinking in their heart, took a child and stood him by his side and said to them, Whoever receives this child in my name, receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For the one who is least among all of you, this is the one who is great. More? Uh, yeah, to, to 50, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. John answered and said, Master, we saw someone
5: casting out demons in your name, and we tried to prevent him because he does not follow along with us. But Jesus said to him, Do not hinder him for he who is not
0: against you is for you. Thank you. Okay, um, it, amazing, but so human here, this um, little scene, Jesus um, just telling them something that they couldn't understand, they, they couldn't perceive. Um, they've seen him cast out the demon, they've, John has been up with him on the Mount of Transfiguration, and now suddenly, um, who's going to be the greatest? We talked about this last week. Such a human thing. Such a human thing. The reverse of the thing that should be happening in them, and that is, you know, well, well who's this person? And, and, you know, how can I be with him? Um, and so he's talking about the little child, and, um, and I think what Luke's showing us is that humility is a characteristic or yeah. a disciple. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we all are guilty of what they were doing, all of us. We want a ministry that shows, we want to know that we're used by God, we want to be in a place where, um, not necessarily that the whole world sees who we are, because none of us would admit to that, but we do like to, to know that we're doing something for God and it's a human reaction to want to do bigger things and to be seen to be doing bigger things.
5: Thing is, they're yes. uninhibited and they actually say it. Yes. Which is much more healthy than yes. if you if you exactly. kindly of, you know because uh, you if you just keep it to yourself, you haven't got anybody to correct you. No, exactly. Yeah, just sit down a bit, yes.
0: Exactly. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I, <know. laughs> I don't know about you but I can look back in my past and remember s- things that I have said. And absolutely cringe when <laughs> I actually said them. Honestly, I could even repeat some of them. So yeah. ingrained, so blazoned oh, are they in my mind, I could even tell you what they were and when I said them. So this is a very human thing. Yes. Uh, and so Jesus will bring the little child and say, um, you know. Uh, Jesus knowing what they were thinking took a child and stood him by his side and said whoever receives this child in my name receives me and whoever receives me receives him who sent me for the one who is least among all of you this is the one who is great if ever the western church needs to understand something it's this Mm -hmm. whoever is least is great surely what you're doing you're doing it not for your glory, you're doing it for the glory of God. Yeah, of course, and I, I wish it was so that every You're not picking yourself up. No, are no, you? of course. Well, you but know. But often you are. You're just,
3: yeah. You often do, you yeah are. Just in that you know. statement, I'm doing this for the glory of God. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, and I hear myself <laughs> saying that, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. Lord, and this is all for you, I'm doing this. And I'm going out, so I'm mm-hmm. going to go up to another. and, oh my goodness, aren't I a saint?
0: <laughs> <laughs> we do it. Yeah. yeah. She's <laughs> exaggerating and making it funny. Yeah, but, yeah, but, that's but the true. thing is, the human condition, it yeah. is, it's almost yeah. as if yeah. in these small little pictures, yeah. what, what God is showing us is this is what you're like on the inside. It may not be exactly your thing, Juliet, maybe not. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, there will be some people who don't want to have... Uh, bigness and be shown, you know, some people don't like they like to be in the background, I mm-hmm. have a husband and a daughter like that, they don't like to be up front, and mm. but you know, mm. me it's like, <laughs> if there's a place, that's my place, it's right at the front, you know and, and that's the reality, mm-hmm. and that's what these disciples were like well, if there's going to be a place, I'm one of the 12, so here am I. You know, like I'm John or I'm, I'm Andrew or I'm Peter. And actually, I think I'll be Peter because he's like the most important, it looks like. So, <laughs> you know, that is the human condition. And we so judge people. So you probably do too. We listen to people, we see them, we look at them. They become more important in our eyes because they're doing things that are visible. And what he's saying is. Even when it's not in you to be like this, it is in you to ascribe greatness to people who are visible, and children yeah. no, maybe not you personally, but generally—and children are usually invisible in the yeah. scheme of things. And yeah. that's what he's saying: yeah. Yeah. that whoever is the least is the greatest. Right. Yeah. Um, you
2: only need to stand on a church at a church
5: door at the end of a service. Ooh. Oh, Vicar, that was absolutely. <laughs>
0: And, and, and you know, <laughs> we're, we're
5: kind so of f- digging up the, we're yeah.
0: kind of feeding that attitude. Exactly, mm. exactly. Uh. Well, I suppose it's a thin line between doing that it and encouraging. it's not the words <laughs> we say. <laughs> this is not what we're, we're not <laughs> talking about.
4: <laughs> what <laughs> we <laughs> say, <laughs> but
3: what we're doing
0: is we're talking about an attitude of the heart, mm, yeah. an attitude. Mm. And, and a disciple's attitude is someone who knows they can do nothing without Christ, but they trust mm-hmm. him to do what he's going to do in and through them. Someone who knows that suffering is going to come because they are giving, surrendering their will to the will of God. And that will be hard. You know, that's not easy. It's hard to do that. It's hard to s- stop doing things you like doing because God says don't do it. It's hard to do things you don't like doing because God says do it. It's hard. It's hard to sometimes get yourself out of bed in the morning and go somewhere because you know God wants you to do that when you'd much rather turn over Mm -hmm. or have another cup of coffee and stay home. It's hard. Mm -hmm. So those things are hard to do. And it's that attitude. It's like, my life's not my own. I've given my will to... I'm surrendering my will, submitting my will to God's will, and I will do it. So there's this trusting and the suffering and then the um, humility that starts yeah. to become evident in you as you baffle
3: the old you. Yeah. And I, I, I think about the disciples here. Yeah. They've just been told by the Lord yeah. that they had not got it right. Yeah. And then the next thing they're doing is, is begin themselves yeah. up. And that's what we do. Exactly. Rather than listen and, and go to that place, we'll, we'll make excuses. Exactly. It's what children do, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. But you know, I did do this, Daddy. I did, you know. <laughs> did you see me do the dishes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: So fifty one. Moving on. When the days were approaching for his ascension, he was determined to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers. Um, sorry, forty nine. Have I missed
4: forty nine?
0: No, 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 we no, did. No, that. that's okay. So uh, and he sent messengers <coughs> on ahead of him, and they went and entered the village of the Samaritans to make arrangements for him. But they did not receive him because he was travelling toward Jerusalem. When his disciples James and John saw this, they said, "Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down out of heaven and consume them?" But he turned and rebuked them and said, You do not know what kind of a spirit you are of, for the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went on to another village. Uh, as they were going along the road, someone said to him... Oh, no, I'm going on too fast." So, one day on a trip through Samaria, Jesus is refused entry into a village, and the disciples are enraged, and they want to send... Fire. Shall we ask the God <laughs> yeah. to send down fire? something? <laughs> And Jesus makes that amazing statement, for the Son of Man did not come to destroy, but to save. Um, that's what Christians are to do. That is our mission. Jesus began a mission on earth. Luke is amazing because he, he opens his gospel with, uh, I'm going to write down for you, Theophilus, exactly what Jesus began to do. And then in Acts, chapter 1, He starts to continue what Jesus did and now Jesus is doing it through his disciples, through us. So it's this one work of Jesus. The church age is one work of Jesus Mm -hmm. and we're a part of it. Mm -hmm. And so we are to do what Jesus came to do, he did not come to destroy, he came to save. Um, That's hard for us because now that we're saved we want to destroy everybody else. I'm only kidding, I know you don't, but you know. Um, okay, somebody read 57 to 62. Our purpose then is to heal and to save. And, then, and as they were
2: walking on the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, But the son of Man was no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, that the dead bury their own dead, but you go and claim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plan looks back. It's fit for service in the kingdom of God.
0: Thank you. Okay. Um, mm. Loads of people following Jesus, loads of people wanting, half wanting what he's offering and half wanting to follow him completely and what they're seeing him do is appealing of course, you know, um, healing the sick, uh, casting out demons, so there's this huge crowd following him but many, many, many of them fell short of full commitment and that's a reality in our day too. Mm -hmm. There are many people who would say that they are believers or Christians, or even disciples, um, but they 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 stay short of the full commitment. And you've got three examples here of people like that. So who's the first one? The first example. Oh. It's a bit like the, the seed sown on the mm-hmm. ground. Mm-hmm. So what's the first yes. disciple? What does he, he might say? Good,
5: very very follow far. I'll yes. follow
0: you wherever mm-hmm. you go. Mm-hmm. And uh, what does Jesus? Warn him of that he wouldn't but have he his wouldn't. own place to rest. Yeah. So basically, what's the more, the statement of Jesus? Mm.
3: Well, he has nowhere to go, so you will come yeah. with
0: me, and you will have nowhere. Right. To so he what that Yeah, yeah it's but difficult. what's is going it. to be difficult? It's not know, going oh, to be yes. comfortable to mm. follow mm. me. The Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head, and so there's this. Um, you know, Jesus, the foxes have holes and the birds have the air, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. It's this idea of, this is not an easy life. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be comfortable. And so, um, and the next one. Well, does bury his father? First. Yeah, he wants to bury his father. So, um, what's, uh, what's Jesus' message to him? Allow the dead to bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim everywhere yeah. the kingdom of God. What's priorities. He saying? It? Priorities. Yes. This is a life where my now suddenly, if you're going to be my disciple, my priorities become your priorities, and that includes even things like burying your own father. His father can't have been dead, by the way. His father hadn't wasn't already dead because, in Jewish tradition, if. if your father died you'd have to be at home. I think they call it something. Shiva or sure, something. Yes. Yeah. And so um he would have been at home and not being able to follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. So this is a man who's yeah, saying, yeah. when my father dies I will follow you. Yeah. So it's like all the things we we say, when my children are older I'll be able to work for the mm-hmm. Lord. Yeah. Um you yeah. know when when I retire I'll be able to do this. When I you know all those excuse. things. Oh, yeah. It's it's an yeah it's something that you're putting in the way of Full commitment to Jesus. And what's the third one? Um, i not putting your um, hand to, mm-hmm. you know, to the plough, not looking back. Yeah, another also said, I will follow you, you, Lord, but first permit me to say goodbye to those at home. And Jesus, understanding what that is, mm-hmm. no one after putting his hand to the plough and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think he means by that? It's about the future and f- what you
3: have to, to gain, by following Christ. Yes, maybe, yes. It's about how you uh, use your time. Yes, <coughs> yes.
0: It's a tricky one, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. I think he uses no one after putting his hand to the plough mm-hmm. and looking back. That's the, the problem. problem. It it's that you it? look back.
4: Mm-hmm. And
0: actually, I was thinking about that, thinking, okay, what does that mean? And I remember when we first came back to the UK, we moved to a village in the middle of the country, sheep and fields all around us. Mm-hmm. And and my husband, who's never lived in the country, um, he just he wanted to do everything that there was to do. He couldn't wait to talk to the farmers and, and, and you know, lamb get a, a, see a lamb born and help with that and all of that. And one right. thing he wanted to do was to drive a combine harvester, which are an enormous <laughs> yeah. And um, in our little pub in our village, lots of farmers in there, so he was chatting one day to one of them and and the guy said, "Well, you can drive my combine
4: harvester." So <laughs> yeah. it was,
0: oh, that'll be great. So we met the guy the next day and uh, got in the combine the harvester. And he said, "I was driving along and I I was concentrating and I thought, you know, definitely going in straight lines. I was looking at the steering wheel. It was sort of really big to hold mm-hmm. in my, head, you know." He said, and then we finished and I looked back and my, I'd run like this.
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: boy. The, the farmer had straight furrows all the way, but yeah. and as soon as he'd let Alan do it, it was like this. Yeah. And as I was thinking back about that, because it was the plough, I was thinking mm-hmm. about that. Mm. I was thinking, OK, Alan didn't look back because he was dead scared of this huge piece of oh, equipment, yeah. but he looked down yeah. at the steering wheel the whole time. Oh, yes. Yes. He was looking at his own circumstances or his own... Yeah. He wasn't, he was looking at the steering wheel, but you know what I mean, this is what I think that Jesus is saying. Don't look back, Mm. don't even look down at your circumstances, Mm. because you're going to start to go off course. Mm. Just keep your Mm. eyes on me, Mm. and follow me. Mm. Because that's what he says, isn't it? Mm. Um, Jesus has said, follow me to everyone, and and no one after putting his hand to the plough and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Because looking back or looking down is taking too much notice of what you have here in this world. Mm. Too much notice of what you've left behind. Too much notice of what you've got right here in front of you. Instead of, it's Jesus that I'm
5: following. He, he right? actually says that. That's the why I said time. Because if he starts off, let me go first. Let me go first. Yeah. yeah. Because right. it's what right. I want. I like the fact
0: that he calls himself a shepherd, not a herdsman. Yes. Yeah. Exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. exactly. Same, thing. Same thing, exactly. You just go wobbly if you're looking back, anyway. Yes, Can you imagine do. If you're looking back, you're all wobbly, you're going exactly. wobbly anyway, and you're yeah. not going to have the exactly. What God's got for you. exactly. Yeah. So, this idea of fixing your eyes on Jesus, fixing your eyes on the road ahead, and then lo and behold, we find it everywhere. Hebrews, you know. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Mm-hmm. You know, it's this constant looking at Jesus, following him, not looking down, not looking back, just following Jesus. That's the attitude and the, the character of a disciple. And I it's hard
5: to do that. Yeah, because we can't see him. <laughs> exactly, <laughs>
0: you can't see him. Go
5: ahead, Carly. I think the verse, verses, uh, those verses amplify, verse 23, and if I might read it in the Amplified, it says, mm-hmm. And he said to all, If any person wills to come after me, let him deny himself, disown himself, forget lose sight of himself, and his own interests, refuse and give up himself. Yeah. And take up his cross day, and follow me. Be steadfastly to me, conformed wholly to my example in living, yes. and his need is dying it. also. Yeah. 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 Okay. What reference was that?
3: Rose is just... Um, this, it's
5: verse 23 in Luke, but it's in the Amplified Bible. Oh, yeah. In yeah. 9. yeah. It's, it's just i I'm thinking combine driver. My son is a combine driver.
3: And uh, I've sat in the combine with him this summer, and it's, it is like an amazing experience. And he doesn't look back at all, and he drives it, but he has his eye on the furrow that's, that, was, that was just done before. And I love that verse, hitherto hath the Lord helped me. And the Lord has led you this far, and it's mm-hmm. like you follow that, you never forget where he's led you. Mm-hmm. So his, his, his aim is where he's gone before. And, and that's, that's all he's looking at, up ahead of where he's gone before. Mm-hmm. And, and that's Harvey. what you said. The example. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. what be, I don't know if yeah. you know this, but yeah.
0: that's more or less what you said. Yes. What you've just Follow raised. the example. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's
5: what you have. Yeah. yeah. It's wonderful. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um.
4: Yeah, we'll take a break, shall we? Yeah. Ten. We are starting, definitely starting. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you, yeah. You are
0: a great God and that you will yeah. show us things and, and amplify you. our understanding, Lord. Well, that's what we want. We don't have it all tied yes. up. And we, need, no. we need to know your will and your plan and your purpose and we need yes. to know the details of how we live with you, Lord. Yes. Um, because we don't want to stay where we are. We want to get closer Amen. and we want yeah. to with you. And, um, and yeah, and, and that's, our, that's our ambition, that's what we want. We want to be used by you and to be uh, transformed into the image of Christ so that we can be like Him in the world that we live in and I thank you that that's your promise to us that you are transforming us we will be like Christ and when we see him as John wrote we will be like him and that's just an amazing amazing thing so I thank you for it and I ask now that you would enable us to get through this the rest of this uh, session and to understand what it is that you're saying in Jesus name. Okay. So, um, Luke chapter 10, we're into chapter 10. Could somebody read the first 20 verses, please? Maybe half and half, whatever. Just
3: somebody read sure. 10 and then another 10. Thank you.
0: After these things, the Lord appointed seventy mm-hmm. others also, and sent them to two before his faith, into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, The harvest truly is great, but the labourers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest
3: to send out
0: labourers into
3: his harvest.
0: Go your way, behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Carry neither money, bag, knapsack, nor sandals, and greet no one along the road. But whatever house you enter, first say,
2: peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. (coughs) And
0: remain in the same house, eating and drinking, such things as they give you, for the labourer is worthy of his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whatever city you enter, and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you, and heal the sick there, and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. But whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go out into its streets and say, The very dust of your city, which clings to us, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the
5: kingdom of God has come near you. But I say to you that it will be more tolerable in that day for Sodom, than
0: for that city. <coughs> Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if if the mighty works which were done in you had been
1: done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth cloth and ashes. But it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment day than for you. And you, Capernaum, who, who were exalted to heaven, will you will be brought down to hades he who um, hears you he who hears you hears me he who rejects you rejects me and he who rejects me rejects him who sent me the se- um, then the seventy returned with joy saying lord even the demons are subject to us in your name and he said to them i saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven behold it will I will give you authority to trample on ser- serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy. And notwithstanding, and nothing—sorry—and nothing shall by any means hurt
5: you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven.
0: Thank you. Okay, this is the uh, uh, number six on our list of seven, and this was, I think we talked about last week, involvement, involvement. A disciple is involved in the work of God, in the work of Jesus. And uh, that's what you see here, Jesus saying to them, sending them out in pairs, 70 or 72, depends on your translation, across the land. And, and he's saying, um, ask the Lord, the harvest is plentiful, the labourers are few, therefore beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out labourers into his harvest. And I know that we talked about this when we did the short course on prayer uh, before this. We talked about the fact that uh, Jesus is saying, pray for God to send out labourers. And almost always, you will be the labourer he sends. If you are the one who God has instigated the prayer through, if he has caused that to be on your heart, to pray for God to send out labourers into the field, You can know that you are one of those laborers ready to be sent out. So if you find yourself praying, Lord, there's so many people dying, there's so many people desperate, there's so many people lost, please send out people to give them the gospel. Then I think God is probably saying to you, yes, there you are. You're the one to go, because that's what God does. He gives you a thing to think about and pray about because Mm. that's already been in his heart, and he is now working in us Mm. to go out, and that's what happened here. The disciples were sent out, and Jesus is saying, "The harvest is plentiful; the laborers are few." Beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers, and so they are a part of this going out. Um, And he says that the mission is going to be dangerous. They're not too, uh, it required a certain amount of speed because they needed to go as far as they could because Jesus knew he had a limited time and so he's sending them out to go. And um, they would be supported along the way by people who received their message. And so um, we said last time that that hospitality that they found in different places would uh, be the, the recognition or the believing by the people in the house. So. It's that idea of he who receives you, receives me, Christ. So Jesus is saying, if they receive you, they're receiving me. If they reject you, it's because they're rejecting me. And the whole idea of shaking the dust off your feet, I think we said this last time, that was a a Jewish practice. When they came back from Gentile countries or lands, they would shake the dust of their feet to (coughs) signify that they were now out of Gentile pagan territory and they were back into their own land and so this thing that Jesus is saying to them is they those who do not receive you don't receive me and therefore are like the Gentiles because they are rejecting God Mm -hmm. they're rejecting God so that's the whole kind of thing of that. But what struck me today, or when I was preparing for this, was this idea of why did Jesus send them out to places where he knew people would reject him? Actually, he knows that by far the majority of Israel will reject him. Yeah. So yeah. why is he sending them out? Choice. People choice, choice, Choice. choice. To, there yeah. you go. So it's even though Jesus knows the outcome, he is giving people choice. So never think that I mean there's a teaching isn't there that Jesus only died for those who would choose him. That is not true. Every single person in the entire world has the opportunity to believe in Jesus. And just because God knows what they might do does not in any way negate their choice. Amen. So we have to preach the gospel not knowing God knows who's going to say yes and who's going to say no, but it makes no difference because as far as God's concerned, he is going to call and call and call until the end of your life, and you have the opportunity to trust him, to believe him and receive him. Um, He warns, doesn't he, the, the surrounding villages, you know, he says that it's going to be much worse for you in the day of judgment because you had so much more information, you know. That's a scary thought, actually, that the people we live with and love who keep rejecting Jesus, it will be worse for them when they stand before God, because they will be held accountable for what they knew. So those people you know, who, who you live with and who you love and who you share about Jesus with and you share the gospel with, if they consistently and completely keep rejecting, it will be worse for them, because they have rejected Mm. more truth. Mm. They will have seen the miracle of your salvation in front of their eyes. Mm. The biggest miracle of all. And they will still have rejected the one who did that. Mm. So, um, does that include your husband? Because it does say your husband will have salvation through you. Mm. No, your husband is sanctified by your faith. Sanctified means set apart. Mm. So the way I like to say is that uh, because God lives in my house, through me, Uh, actually Alan, my husband, is in a kind of set apart state he is able to receive much more information about God because I am, God is in me Mm -hmm. but that in a way is a kind of he's also going to be held more accountable because he had the witness of God constantly Mm -hmm. in his home so yeah, our husbands are sanctified put into a place Mm -hmm. where they can hear more about God but not not saved through our faith um, uh, Jesus says, "I saw uh, Satan fall like uh, from like lightning from heaven." He's not talking about Jesus, uh, Satan being cast out at that moment. How do we know that Satan's
5: not cast out from heaven? Because it doesn't come until the end. Eh? It doesn't come until the end. He doesn't
0: come until the end, but we know he's definitely not, uh, it talks about it in Revelation, but we know he's definitely not cast out because Satan is the accuser of the brethren, who accuses us before God day and night. If that's true, it can't be that he doesn't have access to God. So he has access to God. Yeah. He did, did, but you could think, couldn't you, that when Jesus was died and resurrected and went up that Satan might have been cast out then, but no, he still still has has access.
3: Yeah, he still has access. Yeah,
0: he does. Because he he must have to be the accuser of the brethren, accusing us before God Mm -hmm. day and night. and so it was before God went with Job, wasn't it? Yes, that's what Juliet's oh, just said. No, 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 don't be sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's good we're all on the same page. He yeah. was um, there. And I uh, also, um, uh, Jesus saying that, what is it? Um, Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and all the power of the enemy. Uh, if you go to Psalm 91 verse 13, you'll see that snakes and scorpions are symbols of spiritual wickedness. So they're symbols of um, demonic uh, activity. Psalm 91, verse 13. 91. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent. You will trample down. Um, he will give his angels charge to guard you in all your ways. They will bear you up in your hands, that you do not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent. You will trample down. I think I would defy... Um, I think that... Uh, in Psalm 91, the whole psalm is about the spiritual covering of God over um, over his people. So, uh,
2: I didn't understand verse 18. Could you just go Where is it? Psalm 91?
0: Watching Satan fall from no, heaven sorry, sorry, like lightning. Oh, this in Luke? Yeah, sorry. Yes, no, no, no. I, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. I think what he's saying is. That he can see that the activity of the disciples, as they are going out and being received by people, is is doing a blow oh, onto people. onto Satan. So, yeah. but Satan is not know. literally Satan. No, 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 no. Um, Okay. Um, I'm not saying that God can't help you. To, you know, stand on a Scorpion, or a, I'm not saying that that's impossible. God can do anything at any time. I'm not mm-hmm. trying to kill yes, uh, with Paul, with Paul the serpent gratis. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not saying yeah. he doesn't do that I'm not saying that he can't do that but I'm saying that in, in scripture these animals are um, uh, symbols of spiritual wickedness yeah. you read Isaiah chapter 11, talking about the highway of holiness uh, Isaiah 11 is no, I don't think it is um mm. No, it's not either um, <coughs> it's the highway between Assyria and Egypt. it's um, mm. anyway, I'll find it. I'll find we'll it find in it a little while. And talking about the highway of holiness, uh, Jesus 35, talking thirty-five, 35 thank you. Isaiah thirty-five. Right? Jesus talking about that in that day they will walk along this highway, a highway from Assyria to Israel, mm-hmm. describing that highway as the highway of holiness. So, I'm talking about no lion will be there, no vicious bear, no this, no that. Mm-hmm. And the picture is that mm-hmm. those who are the redeemed and the ransomed are walking towards the heavenly Zion, the heavenly uh, kingdom. And no vicious beast can attack us on the road that we are on. Why not? Because we are protected by the power of God through faith. Peter will say. So I'm not saying that you know there aren't instances of people being protected from vicious beasts. I'm just saying that the Old Testament predominantly talks about these things in terms of spiritual wickedness. Oh, I, I was no, thinking
5: no. that that probably meant yes. spiritual, and nothing will you. Yes, spiritual. Yes.
4: Oh, yes, yes. So um, we we
0: get to that. Um, uh, we get through that passage, and uh, we did this last week. That's why I'm rushing it a little bit because we don't. We want to get on to the rest. But uh, I think this last characteristic, really, of discipleship is probably the, the one to notice most. I mean, how did Christ live while he was on earth? So perfect now. Yeah. In terms of the Father.
4: He was always independent on the Father yeah, all constantly. the time. He was always
0: independent mm. on the Father. I only do what I hear. see the Father, do I only yeah. say what I hear the Father say. Yes. His whole life was lived independent mm. on the Father. and. Um, uh, he says in in, his, in the prayer here, All things have been handed over to me by my Father. There's this sense of you know, this handing over. And Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit who was uh, within him. It, what is it? it says, um, Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. At that very time, he rejoiced greatly in the Holy Spirit and said, I praise you, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for this was well-pleasing in your sight. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, and who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Um, Jesus rejoicing in the Holy Spirit, rejoicing in this, Understanding that all things were given to him by the Father and, and bringing back in Father, Son and Holy Spirit into his ministry on earth. Um, the Spirit of God lived within the Son of God until the time that the Spirit of God lived within the children of God. It's an amazing thing. It's a, just an amazing thing that... Um, yeah. That the Spirit of God, as I say, lived inside Jesus, in within the Son of God, until he lived within the children of God. I'm blown away by that. Yeah. And uh, the question is, do we rejoice in that? Or are we so bound up with all the things that we do and that are happening? Good things, ministry things, things that are going on. Is that what causes us to rejoice? Or is the essence of our joy the fact that God lives within us? I think you should say that because I was reading something this morning and it just struck out at me. It was just a verse. It said, Jesus, full,
1: filled with joy in the yeah. Holy Spirit. Yeah. And I read that and it really impacted on me and I
0: sort of prayed, yeah, I want to be like that.
4: Yeah, exactly. I want to feel yeah. that yeah.
0: <laughs> Exactly. exactly. Like, there have been times when I have. Yes. Thinking,
4: oh, yes. Oh, yes.
0: Yes. Yes. I think it goes back too to this unceasing prayer as well, if we can come into this place of understanding our reliance on on Jesus, and our reliance on him doing all things through us, and our need for him, and trusting that he won't ever let us down, because the thing is, if you don't need him constantly, you never get an opportunity to trust his faithfulness. So you... It's because we know that we need him constantly, we can attend his faithfulness constantly, that he never leaves us nor forsakes us, that he's there with us through thick and thin by his Spirit. So, um, you know, the, the people following Jesus are not important people to the nation. They're not important. Nobody's going to really recognize them. They're known as kind of unintelligent fishermen. Remember when uh, in Acts, when they stand up and, uh, and they're taken, uh, taken off to the jail or to stand before the scribes and the Pharisees. And they say, these are just, who are these? These are just, you know, unintelligent fishermen.
4: Mm. But
0: the statement is, but, they, the, but the people around them knew they had been with Jesus. Yeah. That's the thing. Mm. And that's the attitude, that's the characteristic, that's the life of a believer. A believer is someone who has been and is now with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and really, when you start to weigh up your life in those terms, everything else, what you do, where you go, who you speak to, becomes so unimportant in some ways. Even though that is your mission, mm-hmm. to talk about him. But it becomes more that he's talking through me. You know? mm-hmm. He is just making himself known through me. And I'm just the one blessed by his presence. Um, so. Um, yeah, those disciples. Imagine being those disciples. The, you know, the whole of the Old Testament, that the people of God have been looking for that day that Messiah would come, and suddenly he's here, and he's come not to the people that was expected, not in the way that was expected. But he's come, and these disciples, he's trying to train these disciples to understand that it's the joy of being with him is the thing that will change them. And will actually ultimately change the world. Um, So, uh, verse 25. uh, Can someone read verse 25? Well, we'll go down to 37, yeah. 25 to 37, please.
5: And Behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbour as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbour? Jesus replied a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed leaving him half dead. Now by chance the priest was going down that road and when he saw him he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side but a Samaritan as he travelled Came to where he was, and when he saw him he had compassion. Mm. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring and on oil and wine. Then he set him on his on to, up. And then he put him on his own beast and
1: brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I return, I will repay you. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbour to the man who fell into the robber's hands? And he said, the one who showed mercy toward him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do the same. Thank
0: you. Okay, I I think that Luke has finished really with his kind of characteristics of the disciple and he's now moving on to sort of amplify it a bit more and I think that what's interesting to me is that uh, he ended that last kind of section with uh, this idea of rejoicing because we have the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will be working through us, transforming us and all of those things. But when we came into this next section section, I thought, you know, this is interesting because um, you know, we use the word spiritual to describe many different things. The Bible uses it to, to describe lots of different things. What's called spiritual in Scripture?
2: Anything from God.
3: Yeah, anything from God. So, specifically, what? I should have said the Holy
0: Spirit working through. Yeah, so gifts, spiritual gifts. We say gifts, right? What else? where our father is.
3: Yeah,
0: yeah, the spiritual realm. Okay, yeah.
3: What else?
0: You refer to spiritual songs, did not you? Yeah, spiritual songs. The law is spiritual. The law, the mosaic law is called spiritual. What else? Fruit. Spiritual fruit, yeah, we have spiritual fruit. The resurrection body is spiritual, not, not flesh. Jesus, uh, Paul would describe it in 1 Corinthians 15, that we're going to have a resurrection, a spiritual body, not a fleshly body. Yeah. Understanding, we get spiritual understanding by the Holy Spirit, right? Yeah. And, and even as a believing community, we are a spiritual body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, what's then a definition of a spiritual person? Sorry, that's a bit of a convoluted way, but... A disciple is a spiritual person, but we need to understand what spiritual means, because we've we've invested it with all sorts of different meanings. The Bible has its own meanings, we invest it with meanings. What what would you call a spiritual person?
5: Somebody of God. Somebody Somebody of 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 God. What does the world call a spiritual person? A Christian. Psychic. Someone who seems to have
0: kind of weird and wonderful ideas. What else? Living by the spirit. Yeah, living by the spirit. We we know that living by the spirit. Mm-hmm. But what is, you know? Well, and we'll, well, we'll if, if you it. say to me, you know, Maureen, she's so spiritual. What are you implying? Mm-hmm. She knows the, better the better word of her. God. She's, she knows the Word. Well, she's she's doing the Word. She's better than me. She's doing the Word. <laughs> <laughs> she's holy. holy. She's, she's holy. Reason. She's, be- she's evangelising. She's She prays a lot. She's mm. a very spiritual person. Her thoughts are on the spiritual things more than me. The, yeah, there you um, go. Her thoughts yeah. are on spiritual things more than when anything else. You know. Know. Yeah, it's so cool. it's kind of... A, a spiritual person in our eyes is someone who's going up all
5: the time. Yes, because mm-hmm. we talk about a musical person being... They must be spiritual because they live by
0: the, the higher things. Okay, yeah, higher things. That's where I want to get to. Often we think spiritual people are just generally up there, and as Rosie said, better than me, so we're kind of down here in the muck with our feet of clay. But actually, what is a spiritual person according to Scripture? You know, with the right. type of right.
4: a with spirit, someone
0: who lives within the realm, within the reign of the Holy Spirit. Someone who lives under the direction, uh, in the will of the Holy Spirit, whichever way you want to look at. So, um, a, a spiritual person is not someone just indwelled by the Spirit. That's the thing to think of. A spiritual person is someone who acts on or is, is in contact with the indwelling spirit and does what the indwelling spirit says, does tells you to do so an, a spiritual person is someone who who actually lives, actively lives by the spirit so coming on to the idea of faith being an active exactly, spirit, it's exactly yeah. that so in order to be a spiritual person you have to be doing whatever the spirit is telling you to do and saying whatever the spirit is telling you to say mm. well ask yourself is that you
3: mm. well i just put uh, earlier on when you were talking about the disciples being said that they, they had unbelief you know mm-hmm. the little things i mean mm-hmm. i've got a big asterisk. how do you get rid of unbelief mm. but is that how you that's get exactly rid of exactly yeah. and, and that's why, why i think he's going
0: into it but this, this battle with unbelief is a battle we'll have our whole life, mm. and it will take different forms in different people, <coughs> and we'll have difficulty with different issues, but it is a battle, because it's the battle with unbelief is the battle with our flesh. Mm. Our flesh is unbelieving.
4: Mm. So can you repeat spirit, that's that believing. last piece that you just said? So that so seem to be a, the s- a
0: spiritual person is someone who is indwelled, obviously, by the Holy Spirit, but who does what the Spirit tells them to do, and says what the Spirit tells them to say. So... Yeah, yeah. I mean, you we can imagine, sick. can't you? Yeah. You know, because like we think of spiritual as like it's a life of prayer, or a life of fasting, or a life of this, or a life of that. Go ahead, go ahead. I
5: think Romans fifteen thirteen 13, May the God of your hope so fill you with all joy and peace in believing, through the experience of your faith, that by the mm-hmm. power of the Holy Spirit... You may abound and be overflowing and bubbling over with hope. There, there you go. Yeah. So, so hope um, is one of the outcomes yeah.
0: of this Holy
5: Spirit. You're in, in, in the spirit generation, why are you Yes, exactly.
4: There are all
0: those outcomes, yeah. but, but I think that what, what Luke is doing, and obviously God through Luke, is he's going, he said okay, these are the characteristics of a, a disciple, you trust, you know that you're going to suffer, you're humble, you, you involve yourself in the things of God, you know what your purpose is, all those things that we talked about, but now he's going to talk about how that comes about, how does that come about, that attitude, and the only way it comes about is as you submit day by day, moment by moment, to the prompting of the Holy Spirit within you. Now that takes very different forms in different people. Go ahead. Can you just ask Rosie just to say what she said about unbelief, what the battle is? Uh,
3: right. No, just, um, I just wanted to know how, how I overcame unbelief
0: and um, gave what answer. I said that we battle unbelief our whole lives, oh, nice. because unbelief is the human condition. Mm. The human condition is unbelief. And so when faith comes in, when the Holy Spirit comes in, that then becomes the battle of the flesh and spirit. It takes different forms because your battle may not be with physical, material things. You may not have a battle with drugs or drink or sex or any of those things. Some people do. That's their battle. It's the prompting of the Spirit to say, don't do those things, and and you saying, okay, I won't do them. Some people have um, a battle in their mind, you know. Uh, I said on Saturday, you know, sometimes things can be like a science fiction movie to me and I really struggle to believe them in the form that they're written in scripture. You know, I'm always thinking, how can that be true, you know? And so that's the battle for me, it's this battle to hold thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. But ultimately, it all comes down to unbelief. Sin is unbelief, unbelief is sin. And so the Holy Spirit is constantly uh, within us, working us to the, the position where we are believing, we are living by faith, we are, and the way he does that is he keeps showing us what, uh, what we are to do, what we are to say, how we are to feel. You've heard it a million times, you've got it in family love. you're having a discussion with family about Christmas, who goes where and who does what, I mean, we're having that discussion, you know, and my son is hurt. Or something that happened two or three years ago and my instinct yeah. is to say get over yourself for goodness sake. How old are you? You know nobody meant it. We're all family, we all love each other but then the Holy Spirit is saying to me yeah but he's not where you are. He's yeah. not where you are. Yeah. So how do you need to be now with him so that he can then get a bit closer to, to yeah. believing. So yeah. it's this constant battle you know with yeah. myself, with my natural attitude and yeah. with the attitude that yeah. Christ wants to yeah, it uh, is. Yeah, in yeah. me, and so this this now that he's going into, he's going to tell his first this first parable. Everybody knows the parable of the, of the good Samaritan, mm. and it's just yes. mm. we know it so clearly. And but what he's going to talk about here is well, let's go back a little bit. What is what did I what have we called this study of Luke? What's the title? A, the, the walking with the Son of Man. Why are we calling it that? Mm. What's Luke's emphasis in, in this gospel uh, about Jesus, Get it, uh, Jesus. On, um, the humanity mm. of humanity. Jesus. Mm. You know, Matthew is Matthew's Jesus is the King of Israel. Mark's mm. is the Suffering Servant. Mm. Luke is the is the um, is is the Son of Man. He is human. He is. Mm. This is him in human form. This is God. If he becomes a man, this is what he looks like. And John's gospel is about the Word of God. is God. He is God. He is the Son of God. So. You've got this whole kind of, uh, the wholeness of Jesus talked about in four different ways. And Luke is emphasising his humanity. Now, if that's true, why is he hu- emphasising the humanity of Jesus? Because we're human. Because we're human. You want to know what God wants you to look like? He wants you to look like this. He wants you to look like Jesus. You want to know how he wants you to respond? He wants you to respond like this, like Jesus. All of it is like this whole gospel. is so good for us because... There's no doubt now what, what, we, what God wants us to be like. Because I can say, well, like, God wants me to live like Jesus. Well, what does that mean? It's like the bumper sticker. What would Jesus do? WWJD. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. You, who knows? If you don't know who mm-hmm. he is and if you're not listening to his spirit, you won't know what he would do mm-hmm. or no. what he would say. You'll replace it with your own ethics and your own morals. <clears throat> and, and they're <clears throat> so woefully far from God's. So this, this uh, parable now... This parable about the Good Samaritan, what is it in there that Jesus is trying to tell us about being like him, being like Christ, living according to the Spirit? And um, uh, and, and, and when you go through this this parable, what you see is, again, <laughs> I can't be like this. I can't be like this. Humanly speaking, I love those who love me back. I love yeah. those who look like me. Yeah. I love those yeah. who, who come from where I come from and who speak my language. It's difficult to love people who are not like me or who are different. And this is what he's talking about here. Um, uh, push, push. Yeah, What what is the person who lives like Christ like in different situations? loving and yeah, lovingly yeah, unlovely. And I think that it's interesting this this parable actually because you know one of the basic instincts in us is that we as even just as a human being, not as a believer, that we deserve certain things. Yes. That we deserve things. Mm. And so there's a whole group of us who think we do already deserve certain things because because we're good people. And then there's another whole group of people who, who don't think they deserve anything because they judge themselves as unworthy. Mm-hmm. So, but, but basically it's all based on this, what we do is what we deserve done to us. Do unto others as you would have them done to you. But we have this kind of understanding that if we do good, we should receive good. Yes. Right? Or you, you ready? Mm-hmm. what you sow. Yes, we, you reap what you sow. So what we're doing is we're, we're doing to get. We're doing to get. And that's a human instinct, and it's not necessarily wrong, but it is a human instinct. And what I think, um, what God is bringing us to is, what I have done for you, you don't deserve. Mm -hmm. There is nothing in you that deserved what I have done for you. Mm -hmm. So now, look upon the world as totally and utterly undeserving, Mm -hmm. and do what I have done for you, for them. But also you can turn that upside down and say, now you're a believer, because many believers still live like they've got to do to get. So even as a believer, we think, we we know that we don't deserve anything, but still now we're in the family. We think we've got to deserve something. We've got to work to get something from God. We've got to work to do more for God. And Jesus answers both of them in this parable kind of amazingly. Um, because what he wants us all to get to, when you listen to this parable, is what I said he wanted us to get to in, in chapter nine. I can't do this. I can't even think the right way. I can't. Not only can I not do it, I can't think like this. I can't. And so, when I can't do it, and I know that I should do it, What's my rea- What am I going to do? But Jesus says, what we do for the least of them Yes, do but, but we can't. he's going to put you one day <laughs> in a situation yeah. where you're going to say, I can't do that. I cannot do that. Yeah. And yeah. Here's, when you say that, whatever that situation might be,
4: mm.
0: it's because you know he wants you to do it. Mm. So yeah. what will then your no. response be? Yeah. He's put you in a situation. Your situation will be unique oh, to you. I can't do that. He went to the cross
5: for us, didn't he? Yes, but tell me, what will your reaction be? It's either going to be I won't, or it will be Yes, Lord, through you I can. Yes, but
0: there'll be yeah, there'll be something. You have to enable me to
5: because I can't do it. I can't do it, but I want to do it because I want
0: to do what you want want me to do exactly. And that again, remember, we started like that. Oh God, I can't be like this. I can't do this. I can't be a disciple for two days in a row. I can't do it. I can't even do it for one day a lot of the time. I can't do it. I can't pray unceasingly. I can't be loving to everybody. I can't put to death the deeds of my flesh. I can't do it. So God, if you don't do it, who's gonna do it? And that's it. We've, We've just gone through the whole chapter nine on that basis. Mm -hmm. It's Christ in you, the Holy Spirit in you, who will enable you to do it. He's only asking that you submit, surrender to what he asks you to do. He's not asking you to think about ways to be good. He's not even asking you to kind of dream up a Christian life. He's saying, if the Holy Spirit lives within you, and if you have decided to live by what he says, you will be a spiritual person who is honouring me, and who is being transformed into my image. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, the, the Good Samaritan. So, um, apparently, um, as you go down the road from Jerusalem to Jericho, it's a very steep road. It descends about, I've got here, 3,000 feet and about 17 miles. So, very steep, very dangerous road, and uh, lots of robbers along the way. And we have here um, three people who come by this man who was uh, robbed, stripped, and beaten, and left half yeah. dead. And, um, uh, and who's the one who actually stops and does something about it? The oh. Samaritan. <laughs> it's the Samaritan who does something about it. And we know all about uh, the plain teaching of this parable is that we are to be the Good Samaritan. We are not to move yeah. by, we are to stop. However, in the context of Jesus with Israel, who is the Good Samaritan? Now. Yeah. Outcast, Jesus is the Good Samaritan. Why is he the Samaritan? Because the Jews saw no. the Samaritans as outcasts. And they didn't want them, they rejected them. So I'm not trying to give this, the parable is mainly about we need to be the good Samaritan. We have to stop and actively help the person. But think about it, who is Jesus? He is the one who is rejected as the Samaritans were rejected. My mind even went into, and I'm not sure it's right, but I was even thinking about the fact that Samaritans are Mm. Mm half-breeds. They're they're Jew mixed with Gentile. Mm. And Jesus came to save both. So he's he's giving this parable. Who is he giving it to? Who is he telling primarily? Uh, yeah, but he says, and, and, and a lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, "Teacher, what oh, shall yeah. I do to inherit eternal uh, life? What shall I do?" And this is his answer to "What you shall do." And we know that the uh, the lawyer is not sincere because he's trying to put him to the test. It says here, and then it says later that he's trying to justify himself. Because when Jesus says, Do, you know, love the Lord your God and love your neighbour as yourself, he says, Well, who's my neighbour? And he's trying to justify himself. So then Jesus goes into this parable. So the parable is definitely about us and how we live and how we look after people. But also, that's, I think, uh, that Jesus is the outcast. He is the one, uh, and he, he is the outcast one willing to stop and save and help whoever is along the road and think about it the religious establishment in israel who oh sorry who are the ones rejecting jesus the religious, jesus. religious, the religious establishment, establishment. Yeah. who are the ones who rejected the man going along the road who didn't stop religious. the religious establishment <laughs> yes. so he's trying to show them again he's just remember when, when he was having dinner with simon the pharisee and the woman came in and anointed his feet and she was a sinner, and Simon the Pharisee was aghast mm-hmm. that he would even let her in and get close to him. So it's again this this parable: I came to seek and save that which is lost. Mm-hmm. I, he is the outcast. He is the one who will be cast out. He is the one that the religious establishment won't want near. But he is also the one who um, is going to seek and save
5: everyone who is lost. Yeah, and the Samaritan is paying for him. It's paying the price, yes. and can give him even more. Exactly.
0: Activities. There you go. Yeah. It's. I mean, we haven't got the time to go through yeah. it really deeply, but like, it's just there are so many different things in this parable. Um,
5: the Samaritan's actually not gaining anything. No, he's just going um, to get rejected. Yes, because he wasn't the right guy
4: to come along. Exactly. Um, he
0: wasn't. He wasn't, and he shouldn't have touched anything yeah. and, and messed up whatever was going on.
4: Yeah.
0: And that's Jesus. You shouldn't have come this way. You shouldn't have done it that way. You should have done it this way. You yes. know. Um, yeah, so, um, in, if you go back, to, I'll just go back there, Luke seven forty-four. Uh, Luke 7, verse 44. Ooh. Turning to the, wa- to the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house, and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven, for she loved much, but he who is forgiven loves little. And now, um, when we get to uh, Luke chapter 10, he who should love most, the Levi and the priest, love little.
3: And the Samaritan,
0: they shouldn't really love at all because he's stopping for a Jew along the road who's already cast him out, loves a lot. Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost. He came to heal and to save. And he came to a people he knew would reject him. Um, So, um, the expert in the law had come with pride. You know, I I do love the Lord and I do uh, love love the Lord my God and I do love other people. Um, But Jesus challenged him in his own pride. And really... Honestly, I've written it in highlight here in italics which is my way of highlighting my notes you go and try to live and love this way
4: mm-hmm.
0: go and try and live and love this way and you cannot possibly do it you cannot, mm-hmm. you can do it maybe for 5 minutes, maybe for 10 minutes maybe for a year but you cannot love and live this way all the time and do the things that are required of God's law you can't do it Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength and mind. I mean, just one person who does that in here, put your hand up. All your heart, soul, strength and mind. You cannot do it. That's the point of the law. You cannot do it. That's the whole point. The the law is not something that you can do. Even with your best will and best intentions and best efforts, you cannot do it. And that's what he wants you to get to. That this idea that our relationship with God, our relationship with Jesus, our relationship with each other, cannot be based on anything of ourselves. Mm. It has to be based on the Holy Spirit working in us, or on God himself, who is at work in us. Um, I mean, how did your new life begin? How did your transformation
5: begin? with him coming along the road that I was walking on and intervening in my life.
0: He intervened. He stopped. He was the good Samaritan who stopped on your road and he helped you. And you had been robbed and stripped and beaten and left for dead. That's the reality. And he is the one who stopped. And the one who stopped is the one everyone rejects. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's this this dual thing going Mm -hmm. on here. Um... So when he came, when you put your trust in him, you began this road of transformation that's going on. And the thing is, sometimes the longer we're on the road and the more the transformation has happened, the more we forget that none of it is possible by us. And we have different responses to that, you know. Some of us are proud, we want to do it in our own way. We think, well, we can do it and we're strong enough and blah, blah, blah. And some of us are what other people might call really needy, which is a word I hate uh, because we're all needy. But some some of us uh, feel really needy and we can't do it, we can't do anything. And um, actually, of course not, no one can. That's the whole point of, of Luke's gospel. You can't do it. You can't do it. That's the whole point of the Bible. You can't do it. But God has promised to do it for you and in you. And then we'll finish with Martha and um, and uh, Mary uh, verse thirty eight um, two forty two chapter ten. Um, now as they were traveling along, he entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his words. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. But only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall, shall not be taken away from her. Now I know that the typical, uh, uh, the typical explanation of this, which is probably right, is that Martha was just, you know, wanting to just. Too busy. Yeah, too busy, and Mary was doing the right thing by sitting at Jesus' feet, and I'm sure there's a lot in there, I mean we can recognise ourselves, I've never been Martha, so I don't recognise myself there, yeah there you go, but I think there's more, there's more here in this little thing, and I think it's partly the fact that when you come to Christ, you come into a life of rest, you don't come into a life of work, you come into a life of rest. And what Martha and Mary are signifying is the believer who comes into the new life but thinks they've still got to work. And Mary who's come into the new life and understood that her place is just resting. Resting in Christ, actually. I mean, she's, she's pictured sitting at his feet. It's not that there's. It's not that it's wrong per se. I, it's not sin. I don't think Martha's sinning, but I think her understanding of who Jesus is and and our understanding often of the life we've come into, is the wrong understanding. And it fits the whole sequence of events if there's at least part of what I'm saying in this, in this, that it's not about what you do. It's about who you are. It's about what Christ does in you, and. And he is more able to do things through you if you are resting in the knowledge that I can't do anything, but he's going to do it anyway. There's rest in that. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy
5: laden, and I will give you rest.
3: But is it also what
5: Mary does? Just absolutely s- listens to yeah, Jesus
3: yeah, and what He's
5: yeah, saying,
0: Yeah. and that's really what you've been mm-hmm. saying this morning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We, just, we can't do anything, and mm-hmm. we need to look to Him. Yeah, yeah. Just look to the Holy Spirit. And I think that's, that's the bigger that picture of it. Exactly. She's modelling mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. to us, and there's so many of us who forget that. We forget it. You know, we just think we understand it. We do hold on to it for a little while, and then we go off. We forget it, and we start thinking mm-hmm. somehow. We've got to do things, not necessarily. You know, most people in this room would know they don't, they can't work to earn their salvation. Mm. You know that. I know yeah. that. We know that. It's yeah. not that so much. It's this, the understanding that the Christian life is a life where everything's already done. Mm. 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 You know. Go ahead, Rosie. What are you going to say? We're thinking,
3: which is the way I've always thought. that um, it's about what you do. Yeah. So it's what we do. The good thing we go and help this person, that person. And you're saying it's not about that. No. This moment, I had one of those numbers. You have.
0: Why did I open my mouth? Why did I say that? <laughs> Why?
3: Oh, Lord, I've just so let you down. I'll never be able to speak to them again. The opportunity mm. will never pass me again. Oh, and I just wept my way to this, to here today. And all of the lesson has been about... I've covered that. So it's not only about what you do that's good, mm. but it's about what you've done that's not good. Exactly. Mm. And it covers that too. Yeah. You know, yeah. the guy that was beaten up wasn't worth yeah. the taverns. No. Um, but it didn't matter because grace, grace, Surprise. grace yeah. covers it all. Yeah. So sometimes we yeah. do the good thing that
5: is not, not worth it, but sometimes we do the rubbish thing yeah. that we yeah. think yeah. is unforgivable. It yeah. mm. all counts. Yeah.
2: Psalm 116, verse yes. seven. It um, says, "Be at rest once more in my soul." That's the rest. For the Lord has been good to you. Yes. Psalm 116. What verse is, is that? Psalm uh, oh, uh, 116, yeah. verse seven. Um, you wonderful. Know, um, yeah. And that's the whole thing with my T-shirt. The whole, psalm whole is just sort of yeah, wonderful. But it was when I was in toil. Yeah. You know, seven. in striving. And American, yeah. Vietnam. Vietnam. Yeah. I, I think sometimes young Christians
4: Good.
5: feel that they want to be straight away at work for God. They're yeah. so enthusiastic, yeah. Yeah.
2: and and um, I think I must have heard somebody preaching <coughs> somewhere, but it, it struck me in my mind. I, it's it's not I, I it's not what I want you to do. I don't want you to do anything. I just want you, yeah. and and that's been really important for me. Sometimes yeah. it's not. Not worrying, am I sort of charging around doing stuff for God, or do I have a role yeah. for God? I want my identity has to be wrapped around having a role yeah. for God, yeah. and 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 I've I've learned that that's not that's no. not it. No. it just wants me.
0: The thing is, you know, you would expect, wouldn't you, if this is true, to find it all over Scripture. Yeah. Um, Jack has just said Psalm one one six verse seven. Yeah, yeah. Go to Genesis god creating the world in six days and on the seventh day he rested there's no morning and evening on the seventh day there's morning and evening on every other day but no morning and evening on his resting day god is still at rest it doesn't mean he's not doing anything because he's still caring for us all and working all things together for our good but it is the state of being that he's in he's in a he's in this rest if you like and we come into that rest Hebrews will tell us we've entered the rest of God because we've believed in Jesus, who is
3: the rest of God.
0: Yes. And so, our life is is to be one of yes, we do have to do and we do have to say and we want to do those things, but we have to trust that we are the work's already been done. Christ has already, he's already come in. He's already enabled us. He's already forgiven us. He's already done it all. So all of our working it out and our speaking it out and all of that is from a base of completeness already. Yes. You are complete in Christ.
4: Yes. That's
0: what Colossians tells you, mm-hmm. that you are complete in him. And so whilst we are being transformed, it is an ongoing process. Yes. And it's still nonetheless, it's a process that is done in rest and not in work. That's really important. It's difficult to describe, and the more you go on sometimes, the less yeah. you can explain it. Mm. So I'm going to stop there, but... Um, mm. Can I just say mm. I just love this. You know, you, you could say to yourself, why is it included in the Bible about Jesus dropping into a cup of tea,
5: with my yes. mother and, and But there is just a gem, uh, there's yes. so many gems in this. Yes, so mm. many. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. What I
3: about
0: it, it's just so, many. Many. It's just, yeah. so, there's so, so much And I think, I suppose to end it then, you know, yes. I think I said, I just want to check my notes. But I'm going to, um, yeah, we know we've got to grow. We know that we're part of the transformation process and we know that transformation is going on. But what do we actually do? And Jesus has answered it in so many different ways, and effectively, it's the same answer. You just give way to the Spirit of God who lives within you.
4: You, you you,
0: just <clears throat> concentrate on resting in what Christ has already done, trusting that he has everything worked out, and then listening for his voice as he speaks through his word, as he speaks to you through prayer, as he speaks to you in fellowship with other believers, trusting that he wants you to be wise, he wants you to know the way, he wants you to, to live a life that pleases him, and that he will
5: enable you to do it. Yeah.
4: Um,
5: yeah. So, um, as one of the nuns said to me about um, Martha, she says,
2: why didn't she just do a buffet then?
4: <laughs> <laughs> no, that? The <laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs> I think nuns must be very practical people. <laughs> <laughs> She's from Yorkshire. Oh, double yeah, practical.
0: practical. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm um, going back to what Rosie said and I think we could all relate to that, that we come under condemnation, mm-hmm. we feel guilty mm-hmm. about something that we've said or done. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we're honest, yeah. we can all feel mm-hmm. like that. But I think we should also be encouraged because if we didn't care, yeah. we wouldn't yeah. feel like that. Yeah. You yeah. know, if we blurted something out to somebody yeah. that really was quite yeah. thanks, it was you know, quite unkind yeah. and then we just walked away and didn't care. I think that we should be more bothered about that yeah. than the other way around. That's why we should stay in fellowship. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> That's why we need fellowship. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 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 we, fellowship. <laughs> <laughs> we do. Yeah. Say, so, Father, I want to thank you for fellowship and for your word and for yes. everything, Lord. I thank you that it's all done because, done because I know I couldn't do it. I do. I know that, Lord. And we all know it, really. <coughs> We know it about ourselves that we just can't live this life. We can't be what we want to be. We can't do and yes. say all the things that we want to do and say. So it's such a wonderful, wonderful, blessed relief that mm. that you have taken it all, that you have done it all, mm. and that you will work it out in and through us. And, yeah. and, and that this transformation is a glorious, blessed experience. And Father, that's my prayer, that we would really come into a full understanding of that, that we would know that we are living in the rest of god that we are living in your wonderful rest and that and that though sometimes the human circumstances of our lives are so up and down and all over the place lord that there would be that core of us that remains sure and steadfast and at rest actually lord that we wouldn't be tossed about that we would really be under, the, under in the understanding and the experience yes. of being held in your loving arms, yes. Um, thank you, Lord, thank mm. you for your word, which is mm. just so wonderful. And mm. for your spirit, Lord, thank you that you live within mm. us yes. and that you will hold on to us until we see you face to face. Yes, Lord. we just
4: praise you, Lord, and thank you for that in yes. Jesus. Yes. 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 Yes.